Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 22, I think it is, of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. This one is it's a little bit different, I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm sat in the cabin by myself. I'm not on a Skype call to anyone. And there's a couple of reasons. Well, actually, there's one reason, which informs the second reason. Um, I have not booked a guest for this evening, for Friday night. Um, and the reason for that is, uh, do you know what? I'm out tonight. I'm out celebrating with the missus. I'm whining and dining her. Uh, and so um, I haven't bothered booking a guest for tonight, but I am doing a live stream tomorrow night, which is Saturday night. So um, uh, that will be episode 23. But I didn't want to sort of leave people hanging on a Friday. Not that anyone's, you know, who's banging down my door going, you have to give us another episode on time. But, you know, in the unlikely event that you might be salivating, frothing for my uh, for my latest instalment. I thought, you know what, let's just let's just have a chat. Just you and me, me old mocker. Mocker? <laughs> you and me, me old mucker. I'm I'm more used to coffee than I am to friendship, clearly. Um so what's been happening this week? How are you? How how are you? Oh, I forgot it's not that, is it? We're we're not actually talking. Um How 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 am I? Let's start with that then. Um I have had a it's do you know what? I'm not gonna lie, it's been a good week. This week for me, uh, professionally, I have secured something that I didn't think I'd be able to secure and I'm super excited to get involved in it. And that's that's just day job stuff. It's nothing to do with politics or uh, the tech industry or dystopia, but I'm allowing myself to feel somewhat excited. Right. I think it's important sometimes to just allow yourself a moment, one of these brief windows of positivity in this fucked up time that we're living in. So so I've had a good week. And and thus we're out celebrating tonight. Um, I'm not sure the Tories have had such a good week. It's been it's been an interesting one. Um, I'll I'll go back to the beginning of the week first, shall I? Um, there was actually this is not Tory related, but this is something that fucked me off. <laughs> right right at the beginning of the week did not start my week off particularly positively. I saw a Guardian article that said that that a study had been done, and the output of it, the results of this study had said. That throughout lockdown with school closures, mothers across the UK had suffered mental health problems, depression, anxiety, while fathers were totally unaffected. That was the fucking headline of this thing in The Guardian. I'll just try and make that a bit more succinct for you. Basically, when the schools shut, when we were all in heavy lockdown, mothers were tearing their hair out. They were stressed, depressed, anxious. Fathers, totally unaffected. I don't believe that for a fucking second. I like I read this head headline and I was just incandescent because it's like I don't I like I have a fairly healthy ego, you know, I'm going to I'm going to admit that. Um, but I even I don't think that I'm such an amazing dad that I'm the only I'm such such an exception to fathers in the UK that I'm the only father that was tearing his hair out, anxious, depressed, trying to hold down a job, cancelling meetings last minute, not showing up for other meetings, feeling like he was letting his team down, um, shouting at his kids because they won't be quiet, but they're so young they don't really understand why they have to be quiet, and then feeling incredibly guilty as a result of it. Like, I, I was living that life that they're describing for mothers, and I don't think I'm this edge case. I think this was actually quite common for a lot of fathers. So now, look, there could be reasons why the study has yielded results like this. It could be that um, 
maybe fathers are, are less likely to be open with their feelings when they're asked questions like did did you find it anxious did you find it depressing when you were you know are men just less likely to go yeah i was really anxious and depressed and um now i want to talk about it i want to express my feelings and my, like is that just a man thing um or, or are there other sort of you know contributing factors and biases that that would lead us to this this sort of, i don't know man like it, the, the whole thing bothered me because it's it lumps fathers like me like when you broadly term something fathers unaffected it makes me feel like you're like i feel attacked in that because i'm a father and so terminologically speaking if <laughs> if that is indeed speaking it, it like in, in insofar as the terminology is concerned you are grouping me up with that so it's difficult to not feel attacked when the thing that you are is the thing in the sentence that they say these people were unaffected um and i'll just back up a little bit i'll just say like you know i understand the factors that they're drilling into with these with these studies and the and the conclusions that they're drawing i get it i understand that what they're saying is um you know in a household where the mum and the dad are both working and then the kids are suddenly thrown back in the house when they would have been at school um that in more households uh the mother was then having to revert to um to to uh gender stereotypes it's the mother that's the carer it's the mother that's doing the at-home teaching and i i understand that and i i don't doubt that that does happen an awful lot but to suggest that men are unaffected i think is lunacy because it's like if even if on a base level if the only way that you're affected by it is getting it in the fucking ear from your girlfriend or wife at the end of the day <laughs> like your girlfriend going well i'm trying to do my job and it's fucking impossible because i have to teach our kids and could you just give me a fucking hat like if it's if it's that you're still affected it's just i don't know maybe that sounds a bit insensitive i i'll give you the the experience that we had in our house was um my girlfriend was better at the home teaching than me she's more patient than i am um but i think i think i'm right in saying this that she had more working hours in the day to work on her job than i did on my job i think in the morning i was up sorting out breakfast for our son and i was you know d d when the school was open it's me doing the school run it's um you know when i would go and pick him up again and it would be me sort of trying to do these calls while my son is just like daddy daddy you know banging pots and pans and making a noise in the back that's me i'm there doing that um i, I don't think it's disingenuous or uh, inaccurate to say that we were at least 50 50 <laughs> tearing our hair out and i'm confident to say that there were days where i was significantly more stressed and probably depressed than than my girlfriend was um anyway that's that's that was the, the that was how i started my week of positivity right um what else happened this week um tim martin was in the news earlier on in the week um uh unsurprisingly he made the headlines because he uttered he dared to commit the cardinal brexit sin of admitting that maybe we needed some eu immigrants after all right like so and the fact that it's like the reason that this is so shocking for anyone that you know has been living on another planet um tim martin was at the forefront he was on 
uh, in all of the broadsheets. He was on Newsnight. He was like all of the media appearances that he made being pro-Brexit, saying, yes, we need to do this. This is a great move for Britain. The future is bright. Don't come at me with all of your concerns. It's all project fear. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Um, and now it, what actually comes out in the wash is that his business, this pub chain Weatherspoons, is at least as reliant on EU uh, immigration cheap labor people working behind the bar waitresses waiters at least as reliant on that as other uh, hospitality industry businesses right so for him to then go into the newspapers and say i think we should maybe set up some sort of eu visa you know liberal movement initiative is just fucking laughable like i saw a tweet about it where somebody said there are not enough foreheads in the world to slap for this sort of comment or like I'm, I'm butchering the quote there but um yeah i mean look the premise of it is is like when somebody says something that fucking stupid and devoid of self-awareness it just makes you want to fucking facepalm yourself so hard that your own fist goes through your brain to the other like and shuts off your brain like that's that's the level of stupidity and ignorance that we're dealing with here is a guy who campaigned so vociferously for an exit of the European Union. And even though everyone warned him and said, well, what are we going to do about EU labour? Uh, his his response was, well, Project Fear. You know, like everyone, like these are not these are not new issues. These are not issues that were not raised pre-referendum, post-referendum, in the run up to the people's vote, in the calls for the second referendum, um, in the calls for greater scrutiny in Parliament constantly people were saying, well, we need to work this through. We need to be sensible about this. Let's not rush this. And at every single juncture along those that journey, um, they were constantly shut down and everything was derided as Project Fear and baseless and scaremongering. And now here we are in 2021, where one of the, the, the cheerleaders of exiting that freedom of movement zone that allowed his business to prosper with such cheap labour... Um, is now campaigning for some sort of freedom of movement light. Um, it's uh, It really does beg his belief. Uh, but one of the points I put across in, in one of my videos earlier in the week was that it actually makes a lot of sense when you consider, you know, like it's easy to caricature people like Tim Martin as a um, as a sort of cartoon, Wurzel Gummidge, dishevelled, oldie England, like middle England is the expression, isn't it? Um, bellend you know he just oh he didn't know what he was voting for what a bellend but in actual fact it's darker than that it's more depressing than that like his his situation was and is i think that he is a business owner he's not a billionaire but he's i think he's got about 500 million net worth um and um and his concern is not immigration or short-term labor shortage you know i'm sure that if we did have a visa system that set up you know, it made it easy for Polish people to work behind the bar for him. I'm sure he's probably all for that. But actually, his concern, the reason that he's so pro-Brexit, I think, is all to do with employment law. You know, like, we've already seen how, um, you know, there, there was this bonfire of uh, employment legislation that was supposed to happen. Like, no more EU red tape. Health and safety legislation out the window. Bloody health and safety! Um and, and actually what that shakes out as, what that comes out in the wash as is, um, you know, your maternity leave, paternity leave, um, annual, just standard holiday, uh, sick pay, all of these hard fought for um, labour rights 
uh, were tied in inextricably with EU regulation. And although there's been all these assurances that there that we would not seek to um, diverge from those EU standards and regulations, and uh, do you do you trust this government to not do that? This is, I would say, this is exactly up their street of of big business, um, like cozying up to big business concerns. Uh, in fact, you can see that every day. And this is, like, this is another one of the points I wanted to, to raise from this week of of nightmares for the Tories is, you know, they, they talk a good game when you ask them shit like, uh, you know, who's the party of the working people? They would say, well, Labour aren't the party of the working people any longer. I think we've proved that in the local elections and 2019 elections that the, the Conservative Party, the Tories are the real party of the working people now. Um, so they love the the slogans and the rhetoric of being of supporting real working people. That's they don't even say the working class, <laughs> like real working people. We're the party for. But actually, again, what happened? Like what what comes out in the wash? What is underneath it when you scratch beneath the surface? In real world scenarios, scenarios like this week with like Hermes um, delivery staff and a few weeks ago British gas engineers and um staff at Weetabix I don't know if it's a Weetabix factory or Weetabix HQ or whatever but these are three not insignificant businesses in the UK who are pushing their staff like forcing them pretty much to accept new contracts and those contracts in weird and wonderful ways um make the employee poorer basically so they're forcing their employees they're real working people who are just trying to work hard and get on they force them to accept shitter conditions and pay and benefits or, or whatever. So in British Gas's case, they were forcing engineers to accept a new contract that basically killed overtime. It changed the hours of a working day to one hour longer. So they're working one hour longer for less for, for no money. And they've changed the shift pattern so that it actually cuts into what would normally be overtime. So now you're not earning overtime rates. Now you're just earning your regular rates. Or something it was it was basically that um i may have i may have fucked up just a, a tiny bit of that but that's definitely the spirit of the the changes that they put in um with hermes what they're doing is they're saying you have to accept lower pay we're going to deduct your like your pay is going down and you can accept it or you can fuck off with weetabix um actually i don't know an awful lot about weetabix but it's i know it's in the same vein because it was all over the news yesterday um so my point here is, is is that they love to talk a good game. They love the slogans and the sound bites of, well, the Conservative Party are the real party of working people. But when it actually comes down to it, what are they doing for real working people that are just trying to work hard and get on? And in those three situations, they've done absolutely fuck all. They've not stepped in. They've not said, well, you know, we better do something here to help these people because we are the party of the working people now. And uh, yeah, it's not right that they basically what they're doing doesn't take a fucking genius to work this out. They're pushing down their costs on the labor market so that they can pay these people less. So it increases their profit. And then out of that profit, they can afford to pay dividends to shareholders or, or reinvest in the business. Right. It's this is not genius or rocket ship scientist territory this is basic mathematics i pay you less so i've got more to give to these people that's all it is um and there is no presence there's no representation at the top level of government 
for for the workers to step in and say what what are you doing this is not on um and talk about you know subsidies or talk about you know because if you're running a business and you can't afford to pay your staff like the way i would look at it is okay i run british gas it costs me like where's my costs my costs are 350 million a year right let's just say it's that and then i need to make say 600 million a year profit i don't know if that i'm just putting these figures out of my ass right but if i know that i need to make 600 million a year to keep my shareholders happy to pay the dividends that they expect to stop them pulling their money out i would think right okay well how much is gas going to cost uh let's let's price it at this and then i would think are there some other services we could flex out into to get the revenue up is there some sort of consultancy arm that we could set up to sell to other countries and then you know get money coming back in you know like get entrepreneurial about it think about if these are your costs and where do we make the profit to make it you know but it, it just doesn't seem to work like that it seems to be very unadventurous um inflexible thinking where they just go yeah we'll just pay these motherfuckers less well, can you do that i don't think you could change people's contract no it's all right we'll just threaten them we'll just say you're fired if you don't accept this new like what the fuck are you doing this is why they say that CEOs are psychopaths, because a normal person, even at the top, you know, if they spend their whole lives in country clubs and golf clubs, not surrounded by regular working people, you would hope that they would still have a little bit of empathy there to go. These are real people with families and responsibilities, and they, you know, they need to see their kids at the end of the day. They don't want to work an extra hour for no more money, you know? But it, it doesn't seem to work that way for the the heads of C, uh, of um, Hermes, British Gas or, or Weetabix. And I'm sure there will be more. This is not just like a random ad hoc threesome that have come out. This is, uh, uh, the, the, I think this is the direction that business is going in Britain. And it, it'll probably get even worse like with deregulation now that we're out of the EU. Because I suppose in, in the EU, there would be certain restrictions and a regulatory framework that would pro prohibit eu regulated organizations from behaving in this way but i guess that this is you know for, for some people maybe that's a great thing but i don't i don't think for real working people in quotes it's it's such a fucking sunny day right now um so yeah so i don't know tim martin and uh and british gas companies behaving irresponsibly um what else do we have this week we had kevin collins the chief, the, the, the education chief appointed by the government uh, dramatically quit, I think, on Wednesday night, this was. Um, now, this is a guy who was charged with investigating and implementing solutions to ensure that children were not left behind, that, um, uh, that in, in a post-pandemic UK, that that children who hadn't been at school so much for whatever reason uh, were given the opportunity to to uh, make up the education to um, you know to to be educated further and then and to flourish you know to basically carry on from where they left off with no sort of gaps in their knowledge um, and I have to assume that in some cabinet meeting or some sort of you know high flying education thing with Gavin Williamson they they must have sat this guy down and said look you know go away investigate find out what the solutions are come re report back in a few weeks and um and just tell us how much it's going to cost and then he did that <laughs> and i don't think he understood that that's not really what he was hired to do 
even if that's what they said, go away and do. That was not his job. His job was to uh, be the education czar um, and to basically be the full guy. He was employed as a face and a name that then people could say to the media in the morning, like the, the news media rounds, they could say, well, we've employed a, an education czar to go away and find out, you know, how we stop these kids falling behind like that, that they got, they got to do that. That was what they were looking for. And then lo and behold, when he actually did go away and do his fucking job, which is something of a rarity in the government. Right. Um, and he came back and he said, yeah, look, um, I've been looking into it. And I feel like I can credibly say with the investigations and the analysis that we've done that, ensuring that we don't leave any children behind is going to cost 15 billion pounds and i think they just looked at him blankly and just went i'm, I'm sorry what what the fuck are you doing and he's like well you, you you asked me to go away and find out you know how how do we ensure that children aren't being left behind and he's just like like they, they would have looked at him just going well no that's i know that's what we asked you to do but just go away. Just never come back. You're just here to like, you're just here to be a mannequin. Just be a fucking mannequin. We we say that you're working on this. You go away and then people forget about it. No journalist asks for a follow up. And uh, if they do, we just say, look, it's you know, it's all coming in good time, but it takes a blah, 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 blah. Dodge, dodge, duck, duck. And then that's the end. of. So anyway, he said 15 billion and they said you can have one point five. You can have 10 percent of what you've asked for. And he said that is that what what are you talking about it's kind of like you know you'd be pissed off if, if if your girlfriend said to you can you go away and find out how much it's going to cost for a holiday to barbados and then you came back and you said like yeah it's going to cost a thousand dollars and she said you can have a hundred and then you're like you'd be like i don't understand what what how am i supposed to transact that like you would be a bit like i are, are you insulting me or are you actually this retarded? I don't understand where we're at in this conversation. What is the dynamic here? Am I your carer? What? Like, it's just. Again, like I, I hesitate to use the phrase beggar's belief because it always grammatically sounds weird to me. But it's, um, you know, it's just the, the fucking hallmark of this government at the moment is they don't they're not really interested in the substance of things it's all symbolism all the time symbolism over substance so if you if you give them a, a complicated um problem to solve they flip they divert dodge duck and then just instead of the substance which would be the solution and talk about it logically and be pragmatic they flip to symbolism which is what statues poppies the proms flag waving like there's never any substance to anything it's it's either dodged questions or symbolism um and this is another fantastic example of that because they've asked him to go away and find substance he's come back and he said look here's the figures that you asked me for here's the substance and they're just like uh no so now he's quit they've lost the education chief um he said this is i this is untenable i can't i think he released a statement saying um that he had you know, he, he had reached that figure and he feels that was the figure that would need to be guaranteed to guarantee that no children are left behind. And the figure that was presented to him as a sort of offer, uh, he feels vastly will, you know, basically, I think he used more diplomatic language than I will. But it was along the lines of, no, this is going to fuck everyone. <laughs> um, I wonder if children will be 
like children from this generation will have a special sort of classification on their CVs, you know, like if they weren't educated properly and they did fall behind, is it going to be up to people like me to employ them and be like, yeah, look, it says here that you, you didn't pass our reading test. You didn't pass our coding test. And, um, uh, you know, but then you have to make an allowance. But it, but it also says you're a you're a COVID kid. So all right, I get it. Yeah, all right. In in you come. Have it. Come here. Have a cuddle. You know, are we gonna have to sort of kid gloves them a little bit more? I don't know. I could see that happening. Um, what else has happened this week? There's been so much in the news. Um, I feel like that we've smushed three weeks worth of news into one week. Uh. Today, there was a big thing about Pretty Patel um, this morning. And this is not like an isolated case for Pretty Patel. She's so shit. I mean, I used to say like Theresa May was so ferociously bad at her job. I used to describe her as the embodiment of the Peter Principle, which if you don't know the Peter Principle, it's this idea that you, me, everyone, we always get stuck in the job that we're shit at. And the reason for that is if you're a good estate agent, you get promoted to estate agent team leader. And then if you're good at that, you get promoted to estate agent manager. And then you're doing slightly different things. And then if you're good at that, you become area manager. But then if you're shit at area manager, you won't get promoted to director. So you just stay at area manager. And that's the Peter principle. And I used to say that about Theresa May, but it's equally true of Pretty Patel. Um, and before anyone says, you know, why are you targeting female cabinet ministers? Well, it's also true of Matt Hancock and it's also true of uh, Therese Coffey. Um, and it's also true of Gavin Williamson. Although I don't know if it really applies to Gavin Williamson because I don't get the feeling that he was ever promoted into education secretary. I, I, I feel like, doesn't he strike you as someone sort of, you know, half retarded nephew or something, you know, I'll oh, give him a shot at it. He's all right. No, he won't fuck anything. He's he's fine. He's a little bit, you know, but he's all right. He's a safe parent, you know. I get the feeling he's given the job as a favour to his uncle. He's got that kind of vibe. Um. Anyway, Pretty Patel uh, is in the news. Um, and let's just go back through. I did a video on this this morning, but let's go back through her track record, right? Her employment track record is... Uh, even before she arrived in this cabinet, she was fired by Theresa May for doing dodgy deals over in Israel. Um, that is fact. Uh, I don't want to get drawn on a, a conversation about whether Israel were doing anything dodgy. I don't know. I honestly don't know enough about that whole uh, debacle, but I do know that she was fired. Um, you, you look back at the independent um, bullying, like the, the independent review into her behaviour in her office. So she's right. She's home secretary and she bullied someone so severely that it's on record that the guy had a fucking stroke on the floor. Paramedics called because of her behavior. And there's testimony like for people saying, yeah, she's a real bitch. She's she's a fucking monster. Um, you know, she's she's forthright and curt, even informal, just regular formal occasions. She's not friendly to people. She's the, the only time she smiles is when she smirks. And that's not the same as a smile. So it's like, have you ever seen this woman like happy in an actual in a, in a situation that wasn't combative? Do you know what I mean? Because like if I'm happy, I'll smile at someone like, hey, good morning. How you doing, man? That's a smile. That's a happy person. 
when you see Pretty Patel enter the number 10 briefing and she does a little evil smirk, that is a combative, um, uh, malicious, is that too strong a word? But it's like, it's not coming from a good place. It's coming from a place of, I'm mean, I hate you, and let's see how the next five minutes goes, yeah, shall we? Like, that's that's the, the Pretty Patel smile. Um, and so when, when she was found guilty of this bullying accusation, uh, and it was found that she had broken the ministerial code, now, normally, that would be a sacking offence. But Boris Johnson overruled that independent body and said, nah, I disagree. Right. So so fired for making secret business deals, um, found to be a bully that was so bad that a guy had a stroke. Um, what else? She's she's a home secretary, which means that she heads up the crime justice. And I think some areas of procurement um, and she lost. She signed off on an IT project that lost 400,000 people's criminal records. Right. So that's 400,000 people now that. We used to know that they'd done some dodgy shit and now we just don't know. So we're at the mercy of whether or not they choose to volunteer that information if they're ever apprehended again. Have you ever been in trouble with the police before? No. Yeah, okay, that checks out. It's, you know, like how can you be Home Secretary and sign off on an IT project that loses 400,000 people's criminal records? You're the head of crime and justice and you lose half a million people's criminal records. How can you not have to resign after that? That's fucking amazing. It's like, I once sent an email to the wrong place, right? I've talked about this before on a different episode. I once sent one wrong email to the wrong place and I got a fucking disciplinary procedure and put on a performance improvement plan for it. Like that, that is a performance improvement plan is basically like your employer saying, this is what it feels like when your employer wants to terminate you. This is that feeling that you've got in your stomach, the numbness at the moment. Yeah, that is that's how this feels. You we want you out. We want you fired. But we're going to drag this like that. How is it possible that I can end up in that situation from sending one wrong email? But the Home Secretary cannot get fired for losing half a million people's criminal records. It's fucking amazing. Like whose dick is she sucking? To keep her job. And I mean that like, like I said that on the on a TikTok video uh, this morning and I got a couple of comments back saying, uh, look, I was with you until the misogynistic shit at the end when you said about the dick sucking. And, um, you know, you don't need to resort to that. That is just, uh, you know, we know that she's done wrong. We know she's dodgy, but she's a woman in position of power. And by saying that kind of stuff, Aid, actually what you're doing is empowering misogynist. But I'm. I don't like initially I was like, yeah, do you know what? Maybe that was a bit it, it, like it was morning. I was, it was 6 a.m. I was super tired and, uh, you know, a bit incredulous. And I, I just. Uh... But now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I would probably say the same thing about Matt Hancock. You know, if it, it, well, he is keeping his job in light of dodginess. But in that in the same sort of video, I would be like, whose fucking dick is he sucking? Like. It, this is not an attack on women. This is an attack on people who miraculously keep their job. And the only possible explanation for it is that they are emptying the balls of whoever's in charge. Um, make of that what you will. Anyway, I'm sorry if it upset anyone. Um, so, yeah, so so there's that. And then um, what else has she done? She Last year, when she was, I think she was responsible for the procurement of PPE for nurses on the front line. And people were saying, what the fuck has gone on with the PPE? 
Why are the nurses contracting COVID? What, what are you doing? Are you sorry? But can you at least say you're sorry to people who haven't got PPE and they're fucking dying? And her response was, look, I'm sorry if you feel that you're suffering from respiratory failure. Like, it was, I'm sorry if you feel, like, and it became this sort of meme, didn't it? Like, like the obvious accusation, the thing that is true. I'm sorry if you feel that it's that that truth is actually truth but actually let's move the conversation like that was her her thing this is why people say she's a fucking psychopath because a normal person wouldn't communicate in that way a normal person would say look look every life is precious and we're, we're doing the best we can and i've seen this shit firsthand and my you know friend or uncle has had covid and i know it's not good and it's like but we're in such a high pressure situation where we're trying to get people you know it, that would be the the empathetic way sympathetic way to get to get your point across not like i'm sorry if you feel that's like saying you're wrong for feeling that way that's an attacky combative thing again like i don't know you would think like what happened to media training do you remember when ministers were media trained for this shit like like you have to appear how, how has nobody sat her down in a meeting room and gone you have to appear like you have a heart pretty and she'll be like, <laughs> no, fuck, go fuck yourself. Seriously, you're fine. But it would be like, look, you have to, you, you gotta, you gotta at least pretend to be, to have some empathy. Because if you keep up this, like, you know, super hard immigrant hating, death penalty loving, like, love vacuum, eventually people are going to be like well she it's not that she doesn't care about immigrants which you know i was down with the not caring about immigrants yeah i love pretty then but if she doesn't care about me as well like eventually it's going to turn on you so can you pretend can you try and look empathetic and then she'll be like pretty patel trying to look empathetic is going to look like some essex girl trying to express empathy after botox just a stone face just emotionless you know no fucking no, nothing's crap like a, sh a sh you know share the singer just plastic surgery emotionless because she can't fucking move her face like are you are you crying pretty no i was trying to smile <laughs> so yeah I, and the other thing she did um what's the, the other thing so we done ppe she lost the criminal records um sorry if you feel all of that shit and then, oh, yeah, the most dodgy thing she's done is she, like, she paid £70,000 to a beauty company for eyebrow stuff. And her retort to this, when the journalists found out about it with a Freedom of Information request, they said, um, what did you spend £70,000 on in a beauty place? Like, it's something to do with eyebrow. What the fuck are you spending seventy grand on? And she goes... She said, oh, well, actually, it's for asylum seekers. It's it's to do with, you know, clothes, clothing and some, you know, sort of sanitary products, I think was the excuse. And they said, well, can we see the receipts then, please? No receipts. And then they did a bit more digging and they found out that the company that she paid the 70 grand to was dissolved two years before. So how are they accepting 70,000 pounds of money from a government office when they were dissolved two years before? It's so weird. And the name on the company, the company that was created, this company was created by someone with a, a, a an alias that is frequently used in illegal, like fraud based organizations. So 
dodgy PPE excuse, dodgy PPE payments to companies that may or may not have been set up by criminal organizations. Uh, no receipts for whatever it was that she did buy. Um, I'm sorry if you feel like all of that stuff. Um, losing 400,000 people's criminal records. And now we've got today's news, which was uh, I've completely forgotten what what today this morning's thing was. What was it? I need to check my thing. Hold on. Incredibly unprofessional. In fact, you know what? Let's just let's just go on the Internet and see it, shall we? Right. Here we go. Oh, look, there's there's the podcast. That's good promo, isn't it? Um, so we're just going to look for Pretty Patel in the news. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that was it. It was the um, the barracks. This is the whole thing that got me started on it this morning was like. So she she housed, uh, I think it was 100, might have been 150 uh, asylum seekers in these um in in napier barracks disused army barracks and this was in i think april last year so reasonably early in the pandemic and somebody warned her like a, a sort of an assessment body warned warned her this is not safe for you know communal living in a pandemic you, you shouldn't put asylum seekers in here um and she just ignored them. She just went, yeah, whatever. I think it's good enough for asylum seekers. Fucking refugees. They're lucky they're not sinking in a boat. Just put them in the barracks. Um, so she puts them in the barracks. And obviously what happens is the recommendations were uh, correct on point. And um, COVID gets in. And I think about 50 or 60 of these guys got COVID-19. Um, and a few tried to kill themselves. They were prevented from speaking to the press. Um, the press turned up at the chain link fencing, like outside the barracks saying, look, we ask you what's what's going on. Like, what? why? Why won't they let us talk to you? And like the security would turn up, like come around and just usher them off. Say, no, you can't talk to them. Sorry. And uh, they were like, why can't we talk to them? It's all to do with the Official Secrets Act, like national national security. Like, what the fuck are you playing at, Patel? When <laughs> it's like now, this is my favorite uh, Western political nonsense is when they say like a journalist goes up to a politician or a army general or you know whoever and says yeah can we find out a little bit more about um uh about what's going on with x y and z and then they say i'm sorry that's a matter of national security like how the fuck is the conditions that asylum seekers are staying in in a disused army barracks that the home secretary was warned not to put people how the fuck is that a matter of national security? Like, if they talk to the journalist, is are they going to reveal the fucking, you know, the, the the security code to Buckingham Palace? Is that what's going to happen? No. Are they going to? Oh yeah, can we just have a, a quick chat with you, please? Yeah. Oh my God, you've got you the the broke asylum seeker that couldn't afford to like you you would all you've got to your name is a little water bottle and a torn jacket, but you know the source of David Cameron's family's wealth. That's oh my God, you know like. How the fuck is is it such a no national security? I'm sorry, it's a matter of national security that you cannot speak to this injured, depressed asylum seeker that's battling COVID nineteen. It's fucking nutty. Um, so anyway, so they warned her not to do it, and they they moved all these asylum seekers in anyway. And reports got out to the press, and uh, it turned out yeah that, that few men had tried to kill themselves in there. 
uh, one guy filmed some stuff and there was just like blood stains all over the place i don't know if he tried to slit his wrists or if someone had just accidentally hurt themselves and but there was blood all over these like bed sheets in the video that i saw um and uh and so now a i think it's the high court is let's just flip back to the internet a sec so um let's go to sky news Home Secretary Priti Patel considering scrapping concession on UK. Oh, no, this is old, man. Where's the. Uh... Oh, right. Here we go. It's not asylum seekers who are unlawful now, but Priti Patel's policy. That's how justice should be served. Um, this is an editorial. The Napier barracks ruling is not just a win for the desperate immigrants who had to live in squalor there. It's a victory for the role of the ju judiciary. Um, so holding let, let's see who it is oh right the ruling by the high court that's all i needed to know um the ruling by the high court is has overruled um uh, pretty patel basically so patel went ahead and put them in there and now after all of the you know covid19 and the squalor and the journalists trying to get information out of there the high court has said she was wrong to put these these um these guys in there um and she has released a statement saying we're deeply disappointed in the high court <laughs> decision uh and we will monitor it i think was the wording like i love the fact that she thinks that there's some wiggle room in this this is this tells you about the level of arrogance that we're dealing with it's like we will monitor the decision let me let me have a look and see if that is definitely uh definitely the wording Priti Patel told to resign by the SNP after the Napier barracks ruling. She won't fucking resign. Um, let's have a look. Where is her um, her response? It's usually down the bottom of an article, isn't it? Uh, monitoring. Anyway, I'm not. Look, I'm not going to waste precious podcast time looking for it. I'm eighty twenty certain that she did say. Uh, I'm, I'll monitor the, or we will monitor the, the ruling by the High Court. I bet the High Court read it and they were like, "You what? You're going to monitor? Are we supposed to change it? No, bitch. We're the fucking High Court. We've ju we've just ruled on it. This is fact. Now let's move on." But um, yeah. So what does this mean, right? So firstly, um, I think they have to immediately improve the conditions. Uh, for these asylum seekers and as i understand it to be fair to priti patel it sounds like they have um uh, they have improved conditions and and that was another thing in their statement they said you know the, the uh, testimony and the evidence and everything was all gathered before the vast improvements that they made um ahead of uh, ahead of the the ruling so it sounds like that they're like oh shit you know we might have been in might be in trouble here guys quick quick make it nice make it nice um so i don't know hope hopefully it's a lot nicer now um but what it also means now that the high court has ruled is the home office could be sued like these asylum seekers could easily sue pretty patel or, or her department at least and say you forced us to live in squalor i got covid19 now i've got long covid and that's thanks to you so thanks a lot i i will have two hundred thousand pounds please and so will my friend here and so will this guy. like this could get quite costly for pretty patel and this is like, I'm not going to go back over all of the other examples of her incompetence, right? But you could, you draw in a picture here, right, of somebody who is ferociously arrogant, um, who doesn't think that the rules apply to her, who monitors high court judgments 
because it's you know it might change in my favor because i'm pretty like go fuck yourself what are you on about it's a high court um you're dealing with someone who when faced with a, a, a request for some semblance of empathy pushes it back on you and says well look i'm sorry if you feel that way but that's your own distorted perception of what reality is and actually i'm over here and and my perception is actually that everything is rosy and i'm amazing you know this is the this is the kind of person that is now heading up the the home office um and she's not alone right i get i like i said i got a bit of flack from from people uh or targeting pretty patel uh and, and back in the day, targeting Theresa May as though it was coming from a place of like misogyny. Like, why do you always target these women in high profile positions? But let me be clear, as both of them would say, um, I'm dumbfounded by the low caliber shit, cretinous quality of pretty much every single one of the cabinet ministers and the prime minister. Like, it's it's not. It's, but by assuming that it's some sort of sexism, what you actually do is you take away from the the broad incompetence of the of the cabinet and and indeed of of the individual, right? Because if I say that Pretty Patel is fucking terrible at her job and should never have been promoted to Home Secretary, and you say, well, are you sure this isn't sexism? What you're actually doing is sidelining the specifics, the substance of her cretiny. And suggesting, even if you're only suggesting that it is somehow fueled by sexism or, or misogyny, you're you're putting that into the what you're like sort of diluting it with a a little bit of like coloured food additive is now like it's sort of permeating a rat like. And actually, what we need to focus on is it's nothing to do with gender. It's nothing to do with sex or misogyny. This is just down to her shitness and her total unsuitability for that role. Um. And, and like if we pan out, we look at the rest of the cabinet. They are pretty much universally terrible at their jobs as well. And this is a theme I've, I've touched on this morning in a, in a vid was what do we expect when the caliber of politician, the entry level grade, right, to get a cabinet role after the last election was. Do you love Brexit? Are you supportive of Brexit? And are you going to be loyal to Boris Emperor Johnson? Um, that's pretty much it. You know, anyone with any reasoned thought and logic to them, um, yeah, critical thought or, or credibility was ostracised from the Tory party. People like Dominic Grieve, people like um, uh, Rory Stewart, uh, to, to, you know, for, for all her faults, Theresa May is was somewhat level-headed. You know, even if in in number ten she was enslaved to uh, you know to the to the fire breathing Brexiteers and seemed to deliberately try to appease them over the moderate centrists, um, and so we ended up with you know harder and harder Brexits. Um, you know, outside of number ten, she is at least seemingly reasonably level headed. Uh, but all of these people have been eliminated and removed from public life to to a greater or lesser extent and and now what we're left with is fire breathing frothing brexiteers and they've all been promoted into those positions in the cabinet on that basis um and so the low caliber it's like if i said to you you can be a member of my cabinet if you say that you believe in 
um, pink flying elephants flying through the sky, right? Now, what kind of person is going to believe in that fucking nonsense? Either a, a hopeless careerist, you know, like somebody you can see straight, like the only reason he's saying that he believes in that shit is because he's, he just wants the cabinet role and then all like the nice little trimmings that come with it and the post-cabinet career sitting on a board at Goldman's. And, you know, that is a careerist that wants to say then that they that they believe in the pink elephants or somebody who's fucking dumb enough to believe in pink elephants so the the caliber is low the entry grade is non-existent and so what we end up with is people like pretty patel who is a hopeless careerist i doubt she believes that brexit is a great thing i doubt she even believes that um that's that sort of sending patrol boats or like wave machines was one of her fucking ideas out into the channel uh, to intercept asylum like all of this sort of hard right ideology uh, ideological stuff and like the other thing she was hyping up death penalty a few years ago saying yeah well, i think it could be a good deterrent right or every study has suggested that it is not a deterrent so what the fuck are you talking about um i i think she's a careerist i don't think she truly believes any of these things she's saying these things and doing these things and putting these initiatives in place because she knows that they play well with a certain demographic of, of the electorate um, and unfortunately, there's more idiots than there are sensible people right now. So, um, yes, I did just call the electorate stupid. Um, uh, I'm I'm at ease with that now. I've uh, do you know what I've been the last through last three election cycles and the referendum. Uh, I started off polite, started off reasonable and understanding, um, and you know courteous. But there comes a point when, as a voter and as someone who's interested in politics. That when you try to understand people and you try to be courteous to people, that actually all you're met with is sort of aggressive mocking and not courteous, like discourteousness. And, and and you get tired of it, you know, like I'm trying to think of a, a nice, trying to think of a courteous way to say this. But do you know what? It's out the window. Let's just call a spade a spade. When you start off trying to understand these people, we need to understand these people, eh? Um, and you say, you know, so why why would you vote for something like Brexit when it's clear, it's evidentially, demonstrably clear that it is going to hurt the economy and your freedoms and for no tangible benefit. There is no benefit to it. There's no fucking magic Charlie and the Chocolate Factory voucher anywhere to be found. It's fucked. So why why are you still so when you, you position yourself like that? And it's that's quite a reasonable question to ask, I think. And then all you get back is are oh, you fucking Ramona traitor, enemy of the people, expert prick. Get out. Why can't you stop being so bitter? Like all when it's that angry and mocking and like there comes a point where after the hundredth or thousandth time that you've heard that shit, you're just like, do you know what? I don't need to be courteous to these people. <laughs> We need to understand these people. Really? Well, we better get started because there's a lot of depth to get through there, clearly. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it, I, I suppose my point, though, the thing I was trying to get onto was, you know, Pretty Patel is, is shit. Gavin Williamson is shit. So you've got these, like, that's just two, right? You've got Gavin Williamson, who's had his own, like, you know, A-levels, uh, GCSE exam fiasco when he fucked all of that up. Pretty Patel's got a catalogue of fuck-ups behind her. Um, we had Chris Grayling before. We've got Therese Coffey, who told... She's, she's supposed to be the head of work and pensions, right? And she told grounded, furloughed, almost unemployed 
air crews, air crab, cabin crews, to just go and be carers. That's what she. That was her compassion. That was her careers advice as work and pension uh, secretary to just oh just go and be a carer. Right? Okay. Cool. Um, you've got Dominic Raab calling for for pensions. Like, yeah, we're not scared to cut grey wealth. He sees pensions as welfare. He's like, grey welfare should not be isolated. Like, you've got people who you've got a health secretary who does these dodgy di like it's not even the, the 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 dodginess or the shadiness or the like the brown envelopeness to it of these people doing these dodgy deals or saying the wrong thing at the wrong it's the fact they're too fucking dumb to to get away with it like this is the incompetence level is they've been given these roles as senior they are the most senior representative of their industry right so for pretty it's police and justice for hancock it's health for therese coffee it's just sort of what employment broadly um and all of these people are, are yeah like they're the most senior representative and yet because they're so fucking dumb and they were hired on the basis that they were uh, loyal to brexit and boris they don't have the skill set they don't have the mental toolkit to manage a role like that and so they routinely fuck up it is habitual and you'll see more and more and more of it um and in actual fact you know what i'm not even ranting i'm not even complaining because it is quite funny to see these people walk around in a nice suit as though yeah like i'm secretary of state for health i'm a big deal you know and actually you're like you are a child in your father's clothes playing work behind a desk that is what you are you're you're a kid pretending to work you, you're pretending to be the secretary of state for work and pensions or, or whatever you know anyway i feel like i've gone on uh a lot here i've talked a lot more than i thought i was going to talk it's quite weird doing a podcast all by yourself with no guest um uh but i do you know what it's been all right i'll, I'll just leave you with this i've got one more topic i wanted to touch on which is um uh, more of a personal nature uh this week i've right i have decided to explore dentistry not as a job but uh since forever i've had shit teeth and if you follow me on tiktok over onto my podcast you will know <laughs> that on my videos uh my teeth are you know what like they, they don't look atrocious i've seen worse teeth on people but they are crooked and they are sort of like there's a lot of gaps man and um uh i've i've never really bothered trying to get them fixed before because i thought well, there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, financially, I've just never had the resources before to be able to, you know, get that Hollywood smile. Um, uh, but but secondly, like people had told me before, no, don't get your, your teeth fixed. Like, it's you, you know, that's your face. It's your character. Um, and to some extent, I sort of, you know, that, that hit home with me. I was like, yeah, I guess it sort of is. You know, I would look a bit weird with nice teeth. This is me. This is definitely me. And it, it feels a bit vain, you know, to go to a dentist and say, just make me look beautiful, you know? <laughs> so I've never really explored it too seriously before. And obviously the financial element uh, crushed any any hope of doing it. Um, So I, I don't know. And, and then I suppose, to, like on the, on the third level or third point on that was, I suppose I had assumed that although I was hyper aware of my crooked teeth and gaps and shit i just thought nobody ever talks to me about them nobody ever mentions them um so it must just be in my head you know like i'm it's probably just me being really really self-critical and so it's probably not something i need to worry about but then i i sort of liken it to um 
like you know this is going to sound really insensitive and fat shamey but like you know when you see so you know like a, a young woman or like a teenage girl wearing a crop top who maybe just shouldn't wear a crop top you know what i mean like i mean i'm all for you making your own decisions and wearing what you want to wear great uh, me as a as a a cis white male you know all of that shit maybe i don't get to tell you what to wear i'm cool with that um but you should know that if you're wearing a crop top whoever you are if you're a man or a woman or a teenage girl or a teenage boy whatever if you're wearing a crop top and you've got a bit of extra weight around there people are going to see it and if it's not me saying this it's going to be a group of lads over there taking the piss and being really mean about like it's i I sort of subscribe to this idea of like tough love with this like maybe you should you know not that's not for you right now it could be like maybe in a, in a bit you bit lose some i don't know like do you know what i mean like i hope this doesn't sound insensitive but i feel like that's the same with my teeth i feel like because nobody had ever said anything to me about them oh you got fucking disgusting teeth mate oh your mouth is fucking cr like i used to take the piss out of them i used to be like I've got teeth like a haunted graveyard, you know, because they look like, you know, gravestones like popping out at all random positions and angles. And but because nobody had ever said it to me directly, I just assumed that it was sort of, you know, ah, well, you know, it's OK. Meanwhile, probably just like, you know, the, the overweight young woman or man in the crop top. You know, nobody said it to me, but maybe they were all privately thinking, Jesus, AIDS fucking grill needs to get a grip of that. Um. And uh, so anyway, yeah, long, long story short, I've never really considered doing it. And now I thought, well, I will do it. I'm going to go and see a dentist and I'm just going to lay it all on the line for him. And I'm going to say, here's my background. Here's why my teeth are so fucked up. Uh, you know, I had an accident when I was four. It smashed my two front teeth up uh, into the gum, smashed like right up. And I I, I think I, I went to hospital, went to casualty. Um and then my teeth came down and ultimately fell out. And then when my adult teeth came down, everything, like it changed the shape of my teeth forever. And I had three braces throughout childhood to get them to this. All right. So that gives you an idea of how fucked they were. And I think to some extent, I then married the shape and gappiness and just shitness of them with the health of them right so this sounds like maybe, maybe i shouldn't be talking about this i don't know but um i think where they've sort of gotten worse or you know become less healthy teeth and gums and all of that i was always able to justify it as like yeah well i had an accident when i was younger so of course they're kind of you know it was like they're camouflaged by the overall broad uh shitness of them <laughs> and and i sort of so i was able to dismiss the, any sort of health issues with them um and anyway uh now i went to see this dentist today and i yeah as i say laid it all out for him and he's like well what like what is it that you want to do and i said i i was like that guy going like i was like a, a fat girl going in for lipo i was like i just want to be beautiful you know i just, just make me beautiful um i said uh i said i just want like nice neat straight teeth that are white and look healthy and uh, and he said okay cool well you know let's take a look then so i get in the chair and we do x-rays and we do he does some inspection like all with a mirror and scraping and all that and then so i'm thinking to myself okay so here's what's going to happen is he's going to say uh 
yeah well look you need some composite bonding and you need um you need to file down this bit and you've got to you know we'll have to move this we might have to take this tooth out to make some space i thought that the, the conversation was going to move towards here's how we make your teeth beautiful aid but actually what came out was you know you've got some actually quite serious problems uh with your gums and um you urgently need to go on an intensive gum therapy course and like all this i was like oh I, in my mind i was thinking i'll end up spending about five or six grand on you know invisalign and composite bonding or something and uh, at the end of it he was like yeah you need about 12 to 18 months of gum therapy and i'm like how much is this gonna cost he's like well you know in total probably about five thousand pounds and i'm like motherfucker like I've, I've gone to this dentist to get like the perfect hollywood smile and actually what's going to come out at the other end of it is i'm going to have spent the same amount of money just to end up with just like the healthy version of my already shit teeth so they're going to look slightly nicer and my gums will be a lot better but I'm not like we're not even close to having Hollywood teeth yet. And it's such a bummer because I'm I don't know what you guys are like, but I'm one of these guys and it drives my girlfriend out the wall. Right. It's, if there's a problem, any problem, I just want to fix it. I just want to get straight in there. Assess what the options are. Bish, bash, bosh. Make a call and go, right. Cool. Well, that's what we do then boom let's do it that yeah it's done look i fixed it i'm amazing i'm unstoppable um and this is different to that there's no silver bullet for it there's no magic if you take these pills then your gums will start to grow, grow back to full health again there's none of that there's no um yeah well we're gonna book this on this date this on that date and then finally on this date we know that you'll be ready for composite bonding like there's none of that what it is the way that it's left is like yeah well you need to get yourself an electric toothbrush, not a manual. You need to get yourself an interdental brush to get rid of like anything in the middle with the teeth. Um, we're going to monitor monitor the situation. This is fucking pretty Patel already, all, all over again. We're going to monitor the situation. We're going to see how things develop, and uh, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, keep on trucking. Let's just see how things go. You know, and it's just ah, oh, I just want to fix it. I just want to know the next steps. What do we do next? But He's like, yeah, well, we're just going to sit back and just gonna have to see how things are, you know. It's like I'm so not the guy that could just sit there and wait and I don't know. Anyway, so that's that's the beginning of my oral health recovery journey. Um, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do if it turns out that they can't fix my teeth. It's just like I'm I'm always going to have these just fucking tombstone haunted graveyard gnashes. I mean, how am I supposed to get this podcast off the ground if I don't look fucking A-list beautiful? Um, it really will just remain a podcast then. It won't be like, I'll just cancel the YouTube version of it. You could just listen to me. My voice sounds all right. It's just my face. Well, and what am I going to do, right? Here's, this is the last thought I'm going to leave you on. What happens if I work really hard at getting my like oral health up to uh like near perfect and then everything's solid in there everything's like foundationed and rooted hard um and then they put the composite bonding in and kneading on my teeth and it looks it's a, it's a hollywood mouth looks beautiful and then it actually turns out that no it's my fucking face that's disgusting <laughs> in my head like for so many years i've thought yeah, you know, maybe I would be a little bit fit 
if uh, if I just sort my teeth, you know, is it my teeth that people find a little bit gross? Like, is that is that what it is? It's probably just my teeth. And now, what am I going to do if I, you know, polish a turd? If I <laughs> if I fix my teeth and then it turns out like, no, no, you, I mean, it's nice you got your teeth done, but actually, it's the rest of your fucking boat race. It's gross. You're gross, aid with your goggle eyes and your big. Oh, fuck off. So yeah, that that plays on my mind. Um. Anyway, listen, guys, this has been fun. And I hope I haven't bored you. If you've made it right to the end of this episode where I'm just talking by myself, I applaud you. I think you've done a tremendous job. Um, and uh, yeah, I will catch you. I'm going to do a live stream tomorrow night with a Tory. Just me talking with a Tory about the differences between left and right and why can't we get along and all that shit. Um, so that's going to happen tomorrow night, eight o'clock live on YouTube. And uh, I will catch up with you then. And if not, I'm, I'll see you on TikTok or in the comment section of somewhere or other in the next few days. OK, have a wonderful weekend. Speak to you soon. Bye.